Hello and welcome to Catholic Bites, the podcast for busy Catholics. This is Father Conrad, and I have back with me for a returning guest, uh, Father Carter Griffin. Father Griffin, welcome back to Catholic Bites. Thank you. It was like literally breaking the fourth wall, like two seconds, and then, or no, maybe like five minutes, and now you're back on the show. So return, returning guest, uh, for sure. And the last conversation we had, we talked a little bit about apologetics, and today we're going to talk about the practical side of those things. So, um, uh, and, and you had a great suggestion while we were off mic, which is, uh, apologetics done badly. Yeah. So, what's your what's your horror story? What's the worst you get? I think the horror story is um, is somebody who has read up on apologetics, knows all of the kind of the pat answers, and like dives in, you know, wanted to change hearts, change souls, and basically bludgeons someone to death mm-hmm. with his arguments. You know, and and maybe he wins the argument. You know, that's actually even worse. Yeah, because then he goes away <laughs> feeling smug and self satisfied, and not only has not want a soul but probably push that person further away maybe forever you know and so uh, apologetics are really important but they can also be used as a weapon you know sort of the you know the what everyone is saying today weaponizing yeah, weaponize yeah. apologetics and and I, you know i don't want to overstate the case i don't think that often happens deliberately i don't think mm-hmm. there's bad will necessarily involved um, people just get enthusiastic and kind of they 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 see the truth so clearly and they want yeah. to share it and so they become but i think we have to be really careful you know in that people approach our Lord in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and those who will find an intellectual approach more helpful, you know, that we need to be ready for them and, and, and sort of give it to them in a way that they're best able to receive it. Yeah. Um, so I think that would be, yeah, that, that, that's sort of the horror story. And, I've, and I think every priest has heard many examples <laughs> of that too, you know? Yeah, that, well, that brings me to my, and it's a great thing, I, I, and we didn't plan this, but it brings up my favorite quote from St. Thomas, which is, everything's received according to the mode of the receiver, and which is, if someone is not ready to receive your argument, even if your argument is right, it's not going to reach the goal. And I, so I think and when I think of bad apologetics, I think about those people, and this isn't a Catholic example. I think about those people who stand outside of baseball games with signs saying like, you're going to hell, you know, the world's ending, you're going to hell. And there was some on our campus, uh, uh last, last semester. And I always wonder like, what's their end goal? Because like, it's not the most like convincing, even if they're right, even if they're all right, even if they're like, we've been deluded this whole time and they've been, they, they know the secret and the world's ending and we're all going to hell. It doesn't seem like their method of, of, of speaking to us is, is there to convince us to change our way. It seems like it's actually more just about showmanship than than anything else. And that one is certainly, uh, I mean, there's reason, I suppose, of a kind involved in that. That tends to be more kind of emotion against emotion. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas I think what we're talking about with the with the guy with the with apologetics is similar to that in the sense that it's it's equally I think ineffective if it's not you know done well. But it's um it's this feeling that you know let's take the best case. The mm-hmm. best case is you know you you get into a discussion about whatever the church is teaching on devotion to Mary or mm-hmm. something like that, mm-hmm. and you're talking to a Protestant and you've got all the Bible verses lined up, yeah, and you've got all the arguments lined up, and you know he presents something and then you kind of shoot it down and he presents another thing you shoot it down and let's say he's so intellectually honest that at the end of the discussion he says well you've made some good points yeah the question is how many people like that are like sign me up for RCIA it's just <laughs> not that many you know, not that many and so it, now it still is if it's done well it's an important part of his journey it was a mm-hmm. part of my journey as I said in the last uh, last time we were together but um, yeah I just think that it's we it needs to be used uh, first of all as part of a larger mm-hmm. kind of strategy. And second of all, with a great deal of humility. Yeah, you know the um, the, the famous uh, the famous quote of Saint Peter, of course, that is really kind of apologetics is First Peter three fifteen. 
always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who calls you to account for the hope that is in you. So always mm -hmm. be prepared to, to make a defense. And that word is epilogia, ap mm -hmm. apology. Ap ap uh. And then it continues, yet do it with gentleness and reverence. Mm -hmm. You know, do it with gentleness and reverence. Mm -hmm. And I think that sort of is the piece that St. Peter put in that, and it's often left off, you know, yeah. because we should make a defense of the faith, but to do so with gentleness and reverence. Yeah, and I think that gentleness and reverence comes from a legitimate desire or like a, I think a lot of the boisterous kind of argumentation or the or the uh, bludgeoning kind of argumentation comes from a, a hidden pride or vanity. In, in or us. insecurity. Yeah, or insecurity, yeah, exactly. Right. Like, I need to answer right. this. I need to fix this. I need to convert right. this person. And in reality, when we when we have a genuine charity for the other person and really desire their good, then we're going to know or, or the Holy Spirit's going to help guide us to when to speak and when to be quiet, when to, how to speak to them thinking about them and how they're going to receive it versus what is the right answer. I think that's a great point. You know, I think if you don't have kind of that boisterous passion or whatever, it might seem like you have less zeal. Mm -hmm. But in fact, if you're doing it because you're holding back in order to present the faith with gentleness and reverence, it might actually be because you have more zeal. Yeah. You actually have a bigger heart, you know, and you and you you love this person so much that you want to present the faith in such a way that is makes it easiest for them yeah. to approach our Lord. So I think that's kind of, and so this is not a question of like not having the zeal. I mean, people can tell when you're convicted, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> and they should, I hope that every Catholic out there who talks about the faith and has a well-ordered and reasoned faith is able to express their conviction, um, and, uh, you know, which I think is, is but, it, but it just doesn't have to be in such a way that it's uh, in order to win an argument. Yeah. I guess that's the bottom line. Yeah. You know? Well, so that, that, that's kind of the negative side of apologetics. For someone who is intimidated by apologetics, yeah. like, you know, I, I went to Catholic grade school, I went to Catholic high school, I, I, I learned my catechism a little bit, but maybe I'm not well-versed in it. What would you say, what would, would be some practical ways in which they can learn how to make a better defense of their faith? And, and, and where's the, when you're intimidated by speaking to other people about the faith in general, kind of where's the starting point and what gives people, what can give people the, the courage and the confidence to be able to defend the faith well? So the first thing definitely is to become comfortable with saying, that's a great point. I don't know the answer to it. Mm, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. And I think some of the insecurity comes from like, I'm not going to be able to answer every question. And the answer is you're not going to be able to answer every question. <laughs> you know, there are a lot of smart people out there who disagree with us. Um, and they're going to have questions that you just never, never thought of before. But together with that, that humility to be able to say, that's a great question, I don't know. Um, also to have that interior conviction that, but someone has thought through this before, yeah. right? And there are like a lot of smart and wise Catholics through the centuries, and there's really nothing new out there. And it's just, and it's not a question of sort of coming up with a pat answer, but it's like this has been thought deep through deeply mm -hmm. by by people, and and I just have to experience that, you know, expose myself to this. So the first thing is the humility to be able to say that, but the conviction that's mm -hmm. underneath it that it can be addressed. The second thing I think is there does need to be um, a certain amount of formal preparation. I mean, personal preparation, yeah. right? I mean, there there are a lot. We live. Some people have called it the golden age of apologetics, and we have some of the great apologists of all time, I think, living mm -hmm. today. Maybe the greatest of all time. I don't know. I mean, you know, guys like Peter Kraft and Patrick mm -hmm. Madrid, I mean, just these giants, you know, and many others, you know, and I, um, uh, who, have, who have really changed the world, I think, the Catholic world, mm -hmm. certainly the English-speaking Catholic world, but, mm -hmm. you know. So I think being able, being able to take advantage of those resources, um, and especially, I always find it helpful, and, you know, especially uh, when I was a new Catholic, or not even Catholic yet, is to take it sort of an issue at a time. So rather than mm -hmm. reading these apologetics books as like sort of cover to cover, sometimes that's helpful, but usually it was like, what is kind of grabbing my attention right now? What was the question that someone asked me I mm -hmm. couldn't answer? 
what is the thing that I struggle with? I'm, I'm not sure. I have difficulties with such and such a teaching. Let me do it because that's when you're going to be most receptive to actually yeah. internalizing because it can't just be spitting out arguments that you've heard that you've read mm -hmm. in some book. Mm -hmm. It has to be internalized. And then you're saying it because it's coming from your own heart and your own mind. And therefore, you're saying it with genuineness and conviction because it's really you. Yeah. And it's not just someone else's argument that you're, you're parroting. So I think those would be some initial steps anyway, you know, in terms of the preparation. Beforehand. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that internalizing point is really key because the thing that is convincing most often is our conviction as opposed to the rational argument. Most people don't respond well to rational arguments. And if they do, it's like you said earlier, they have a very honest mind, which is, is a very rare commodity these days. And so what is more convincing to people is the facts of our own convictions and and, and and willingness to kind of, and this is where kind of the secondary aspect of apologetics comes in, the, the willingness for ourselves to, to believe these things, to lay down our lives according to these principles that know that I'm really walking the walk and talking the talk because I believe it's real. Yeah. And then your argument hits with so much more force then. And, and what that means too is that if you're not the most intellectual and you don't have the most understanding and yet you do have this firm conviction of faith, you can still be a great apologist uh, by the way you live your life and the way you, you express yourself, even if you don't have the perfect answer and all the Bible quotes like right in your mind at the same time. Right. And and I think precisely because not many people are sort of as intellectually honest as um, as we'd all want to be, you know, we're sort of changing our, our minds on the spot, very often sort of sending, you know, ending a discussion where maybe you haven't convinced each other, mm -hmm. but saying, well, let's send something to each other. Yeah, you know? yeah. And then you have maybe some, an article or a book or something like that you can send them and they can do the same with you, yeah. you know, and maybe sometimes those are far more effective because mm -hmm. then, I mean, let's face it, 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 there's, you're a little bit less threatened when you're kind of on your own reading something. You're like, huh, this actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Whereas when you're with another human being, the ego, yeah, the two yeah. egos are involved <laughs> there and it's a little bit harder. Who are you uh, to tell me what I, what, yeah. what to believe and what not to believe? Yeah, and, yeah. right. So I think having, you're right, I think that sort of the, the credibility of life is probably the most important thing. Maybe after having a li an interior life where mm -hmm. you're actually praying for this person, yeah. right? Because it's, yeah. it's the grace, again, that's going to move even the intellect, you know, not just the will, but the intellect. Um, and then I think at a practical level, you know, in the discussions, it's um, to allow room for some back and forth, mm -hmm. you know, that it's not just us kind of talking down to somebody. Yep but really receiving and listening, you know, where are they? You know, the, the Holy Father often talks about accompaniment, you know, mm -hmm. starting where they are. I mean, that's that's just a classic uh, pastoral principle. Like, I mean, you can't start five steps ahead of them and expect to walk with them, right? Yeah. You have to figure out where they are. So really be learning like the art of listening. Um, friendship, I think, is a part of this, mm -hmm. right? That when people know that you care for them, that you love them, um, they're much more open to listening to you. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, I think try, trying to sort of keep the discussion tight, you know, yeah. so it doesn't just kind of sprawl everywhere. So, well, let's talk about this issue, yeah. you know, and just kind of stay with this. And maybe we're not going to come to any huge conclusions, but at least we can have a really deep and interesting and friendly uh, conversation. About and I that. think it would be good too. I mean, this is a, just came to the top of my head. It'd be good to practice, you know, if you don't feel comfortable with certain arguments, then practice with someone who you do yeah. know is and, and, and play devil's advocate a little bit and say, well, what about this? What about that? And have your own kind of conversation so that that way, again, it, it's more internal and, and, and you know kind of the responses to, to different things, I think, could be incredibly helpful. Very helpful. You know, what, one of the things we've done, uh, we're in our 11th year here at uh, John Paul II Seminary, and from the beginning, we wanted to have apologetics to be a part of the formation of mm -hmm. seminarians. And, and the way we went about it is sort of this idea where it's actually kind of an ancient idea, a scholastic idea of sort of starting out with all the arguments against our position, mm -hmm. you know, against mm -hmm. the church's teaching in this case. 
Um, so you start with all the arguments against whatever the church is teaching on contraception or whatever it might be, you know, and so you go through all those things and then you kind of explore the church's teaching very briefly and then you respond to all those first objections. And what it does is it, it helps you kind of really get into the mindset of somebody who disagrees with us, which is not just kind of helpful in terms of those mm -hmm. discussions, but it also helps, I think, inspire more respect for those who disagree with us. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. mean we agree with them. It doesn't mean that we're not more, in fact, we're more zealous because we're like, wow, these are not evil, dumb people. You know, yeah, these exactly. are, you know, these can be good people and irrational people, and yet they disagree with us. So let's explore their arguments, but then not leave out also what are some possible yeah. Catholic responses. Not to heap too much praise, although I do in this podcast all the time on St. Thomas, but I always find that St. Thomas makes his opponent's arguments for them better than they exactly. do themselves. Yeah. And, and because of that, he's able to, to triumph, as it were, uh, in the argument, because he knows so well what they believe and what they think that he can then address it, and it, it forces him to, to to think more deeply. And that might lead us to one last uh, practical tidbit, tidbit for for apologetics, which is just read the entire Summa Theologiae. You know, like I think getting that down, memorizing it, question by question, I think that's yeah. a pretty I, sensible I don't know if you thing. Have to memorize the whole thing, but I mean, if you can get solid three quarters, yeah, I think know, that'd be pretty so, good. I mean, uh, uh, one thing, by the way, just about the um, uh, you know, another reader, another person to read would be Cardinal Ratzinger and Pope yeah, Benedict, yeah, yeah. who also had this wonderful ability to kind of think through his opponents, not opponents, that's too strong a word, but yeah. you know, those who disagreed with him intellectually and articulate their voice, their views in a really, really beautiful way. So you can, I think in addition to memorizing the Summa, you can memorize all of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He didn't write that much though. So that's, that shouldn't be too <laughs> hard. So great. Father Griffin, thank you so much for joining us again. This was really great. Sure thing. Enjoyed it. And if you would like to listen to other great Catholic podcasts, which is another great way to learn about the truths of the faith that you might be called upon to defend, you can find the whole archive of the Catholic Bites podcast, all five or six years of it, and now I think is what we're on, um, at CatholicBitesPodcast.com, or you can find us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, thank you, and God bless you.